America's next top deity. Fucking nailed it. Exactly. Gosh. Should we... Potential episode title pre-episode. That <laughs> that is why you're here. You know? Okay, great, great. Yeah. All right. Now I know. Um, now I know what I'm. What I am. Thank you. I guess. Yeah. Should we yeah, just kind of like launch the show into it? each other, Danny? Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, let me pull my notes up because I can't keep all of this shit in my head. Well, I just want to say right off the bat, welcome to Smite Me, the podcast where we reread the Torah one last time. Give it a little, give it a little looky-loo. Um, I'm John Alcabes. I'm here with my co-host, uh, Josh Marcus. Howdy, y'all. And I'm Ayani Hayashi. Texas, so. Oh, he, yeah, Texas. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't go anywhere. I'm still here. We're still in my bedroom recording. Um, that was Ayani, and then um, we have our first guest, um, Danny Salcedo. He was a counselor of ours at camp. Um, he's a musician from Berkeley. What's up, Danny? How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? I mean, the world is falling apart at various seams, but um, that's actually just the nature of it, so I guess fine. Everything's normal. Within those parameters, yeah. Got it. Yeah, when you look at it like that, it's sort of like, you know, business as usual. Yeah. I, I actually had a moment. So my girlfriend's been pretty sick and staying at her parents, not with the COVID, thank God. Um, just like a bad stomach bug. Um, and so I've been left to my own devices for the first time, for really, since quarantine started. And like cu- coupled with that, it was like a couple uh, nights of a lot of gin and despair, which, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast that lives inside of me. Um, that's so country gin and despair. <laughs> uh, I would put that as the, uh, the motto of America. Um, I think that would, that would be really great. Just a little town the at the corner of gin and despair. But I did have a moment where I was, uh, I like in the, in the throes of sadness and chaos. I, uh, I had a moment where I was kind of re- reminded of a lot of the like little philosophies I've studied on my own and about how all of these things are, uh, essentially, what, what's happening around us is, in essence, like we experience it more because it's on this grander scale, but it is essentially the essence of how existence is. And it is constantly changing. And sometimes those changes are colossal in force. And there's not really anything you can do about it, but the thing you can do about it is not stay up until fucking four in the morning drinking alcohol, like, and, you know, missing your girlfriend, and you could probably be a little bit more productive with you know your life because none of it mattered to begin with anyways so i actually and i felt really good after that or two mornings after that that is simultaneously <laughs> very bleak and very positive i like that that's that's that listeners is like clue into my mindset um so i guess let's start off with uh what we could have done to uh perhaps get smited during this yeah i'm i'm gonna add a fun wrinkle to it um and say, uh, Josh earlier mentioned that he kind of got eaten by a dust storm this week. So I'm going to say, what did one of us do that got 
made God so mad that he ate Josh oh, with a dust true. Yeah, why did, why did you guys do it? And also, what was it? Um, Danny, why don't you start? Well, well, well okay. uh, yeah, new guy. Yeah, What'd yeah, sure. <laughs> well, um, it was it was Yom Kippur yesterday, um, and uh, I did the Yom Kippur oh. stuff. You know, I did the fasting. I attended Zoom services. Um, but I, in anticipation of this conversation, I looked up to see if there were any rules I broke uh, without realizing it. Um, and there are apparently five things that you are prohibited from doing on Yom Kippur. That's uh, no eating and drinking, no wearing of leather shoes, no bathing or washing, no wearing perfume or lotions, and no marital relations. Uh, and I took a shower. So that's that's it. I violated... Damn the holiest of holies um, that's a big one though by wow. taking a shower i didn't realize i didn't realize you couldn't shower that does explain the smell in shul in years past um Whoa, but yeah. uh, huh. that that and no deodorant no no perfume um mm. so that explains that's not a bunch of rude old people you better that's have just, dry cracked heels on yom kippur yeah or yeah god's checking behind your ears and if it's clean <laughs> oh, you're getting put oh, in the bad book um, okay. so that's it. Yeah. So I, I took a shower. Ah, oh, God damn it. It is so arbitrary. John, what did you do? Um, I shined my shoe. No, just kidding. <laughs> that was a, um, what did I do? I, I had negative thoughts about Ellie Wiesel while I was reading his book. Is that, <laughs> let me explain myself. Thoughts, I, yeah. It wasn't night. It was a book about the Torah that he wrote in 2003. Okay. That's better. And I guess. At some point, he casually says, like, and if it wasn't for that, like, Israel probably wouldn't have an Arab problem. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. And then, okay, this is the thought that I think really got me spited, is at first I was, like, like kind of taken aback, like, the night guy is saying this. Uh But then I thought, you know how, like, there will be those old dudes who are like, like, man, like, you got to hit your kids. Like, I got hit, and I turned out fine. So, so you were saying he was saying like uh, he's like I got I got genocided and I I turned out all right. What's the matter with you? You know, um, so I think that's that's the one. That's the thing that uh, yeah, that's that's why you had to eat a bunch of dust, Josh. Yeah. Uh huh. Wow. Uh, Josh, what did you do? Well, um, as we've covered in the past on this podcast, uh, God seems definitely on the side of the kind of mean, super rich guy. Uh, you know, Abraham is just kind of constantly acquiring money and pissing people off and doing stuff on people's land. Um, so I think just the fact that I, uh, you know, drove across the country to go see the border wall in kind of a skeptical way in the first place is my, maybe what got me smote just because that's like, you know, the ultimate rich guy being uh, being a jackass monument in the world. You know, also, I'm going to have to give more money to the Apple Corporation because I broke my laptop today. So that's always contemptible. Uh, you, you, you're not a PC guy. I guess I get it. Uh, I think you might also get smited for having just compared Abraham to Donald Trump. Eh. Yeah. I mean, that'll, I'm just saying he's happen. constantly tricking people to earn money. Okay. And a weird confusion about whether or not a family member is a wife or a family member. That's true. 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 Yeah. Hot some take, blurred lines. Take. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and honestly, slightly xenophobic, if we're being honest, because he's always like, "Hey, uh, don't marry among 
among it's, the it's locals, a, you got to go back to where we came from. It's more than xenophobic because he he's xenophobic towards people whose land he's in. Yeah, true. Wow. wow. Okay. This is starting out very spicy. I was not. Oh yeah, this is. These are we are we are all spicy boys, especially this far into this show. Okay. Um, and I can just tell you with confidence, guys, that I did absolutely nothing. I'm completely blameless over the last week. I've done all 613 meets vote three times, <laughs> and absolutely nothing that I thought, nothing that I did, nothing that I said has in any way uh, uh, violated or or contradicted the word that the good Lord gave us. So I am pure and blameless. Whoa, somebody's running for Rebbe, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I couldn't think of anything other than just being nice to my cat. That's fine. Yeah, mm. and we've already established that God doesn't really feel that great about my, my kitties. Um, should we do the summary? We should do the summary. Also, I, I kind of feel bad. Danny, can you actually give us like a little bit of background to who you are? Because we kind of just launched into it. Oh, and, sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, you are the special guest. Uh, who are you? Who am I? Who am I? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you guys said I live in Berkeley. That's true. I live with my wife in Berkeley. Uh, I grew up in San Jose. I don't know what you want me to say. Uh... I am a singer-songwriter. That's what I do as a passion. And then, like, what I do for the sake of capitalism is I work with children uh, of all ages. I'm a private tutor. I also, before COVID, I was the guy on the playground that said, hey, stop that. Um, (laughs) That was my job because I had a whistle. I guess a a more pointed question could be, what's your background with, like, Torah and the study of Torah? Uh, I am a bar mitzvah. Um, <laughs> to this uh, day to this day um no i mean i i grew up in a reformed temple i have not been a member of a temple since uh i was living with my parents because it's expensive to be a member of a temple and i i do not get that and i do not support that so i don't know if i really am of any denomination now i Definitely fit in with your podcast because I have clashed with the powers of, that be in Judaism quite a bit. I was known for being a rabble rouser. They got in arguments with rabbis at camp, like shouting oh, matches yeah. with rabbis. <laughs> Do you have any um, really memorable uh, um, points of contention you had with? Yeah, yeah. You know that thing uh, at camp where um, kids uh, will um, accidentally enjoy themselves during prayer and then an adult will get mad? You know, yes, because <laughs> like they'll be enjoying themselves wrong, you know, because mm-hmm. they'll like be oh, like smiling too loud or something. Yeah. No, the banging on the tables after dinner. Uh huh. You know, well, that does get quite out of hand. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm going to take a more okay. conservative <laughs> on an position on that level. They probably go through a lot more tables. <laughs> OK, that's fair. That's fair. OK, I understand that. But it's also like one of the only times kids really get into prayer. And that's ostensibly something the rabbis want, but the rabbis kept stopping the kids and telling them to calm down and like do it nicely. And so I pulled a rabbi aside and I was like, there's no prohibition against enjoying yourself during prayer, but there is a prohibition against interrupting somebody while they're praying. And I was like, so you can't, you can't stop the kids. And, and then I said, also, you know, a lot of these kids, they don't go to temple during the year. They don't know the prayers. So when they come to camp, before they learn the beer cot, they learn the 
clapping of you know the tables slapping of the beer cot they learn like when to like jump up and when to sit down and stuff and that is them praying so you know i was like if they're enjoying the ketsev the rhythm but not mm. the devarim the words that's still them praying rabbi and that did not get me uh, a lot of friends <laughs> in, the wow. rabbi, in the rabbinic community uh, because they kept doing it. And I kept going from table to table, um, encouraging the kids to be loud. So, yep, that's awesome. That's, Damn. that's my rebellious anti URJ stance is that kids mm. should be allowed to enjoy prayer. Nice. Well, this this I feel like this portion we got coming up is really all about uh, the establishment and and how in it a wins. lot of ways it's yeah it's a it's a fucking doozy. That's all I'll say. Well, that's yeah. just as perfect as a segue as you want. Like you want to get into it, boys? Skunk. Please. Okay, so just to recap where we left off, folks, um, we 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 had the life and death of Sarah and Abraham. And he passed all his possessions on to Isaac. So now our main guy is Isaac, son of Abraham, the one who previously almost got sacrificed. So Isaac goes back, is, is our main guy now. He goes, uh, he and uh, in the episode previously, in the chapter previously, Rebecca had been brought to him. And it turns out uh, he was 40 when they got married. They seemed like they thought that was important. Then we sort of have a little fun, like, flashback where Rebecca, just like Sarah, can't have kids. So Isaac prays to God, and then she can have kids. And then when this fun little thing where actually Rebecca just gets to talk to God, which is kind of the first time that happens, uh, it's apparently really painful pregnancy. And God basically says, hey, you're going to have twins. That's part of why it hurts so much. And then also one of them's going to be uh, the Lord of the other one, essentially. Uh, two twins are born. Esau is kind of an oddly developed Bigfoot child when it comes <laughs> out. Um, he's like, they say he's like red and hairy all over, like a mantle. So, Bigfoot. Um, and then Jacob kind of comes out as the second twin holding on to Esau's heel. Esau, as you could kind of imagine, grows up to be a himbo. And Jacob kind of <laughs> likes to hang out at camp a little bit more and kind of tends to some of the more logistical aspects of being a nomad in the Middle East back then. And then Jacob tricks him out of his birthright, which I'm assuming in this case they're talking about the the, the actual possessions tra transferring from generation to generation. Human because, and otherwise. Yeah, because I guess Esau was starving for whatever reason. Um, it just—I didn't get that part. He wanted a bowl of soup he, right He was, now. like, out hunting. Yeah. He was so hungry he, he did uh, not, traded away his inheritance. He, he failed the very first marshmallow test. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck is a marshmallow test? That's the thing where they, like, give a kid a marshmallow, and they're like, if you eat it now... Oh! They say, if you, if you, can, if you can wait ten minutes, you'll get two marshmallows. It, all it did was, gotcha. like, uh, kids from food-insecure homes didn't pass it, was the main takeaway, but you never learn about that. Anyway, let's get back <laughs> onto the summary. But, okay, so basically, uh, I, I couldn't tell what to take of that, whether it's the text saying that, like, Jacob is super tricky and kind of fucked up for you know, not feeding a starving brother, or if they were really going at it, that Esau is just like a dumb Bigfoot guy and doesn't understand things. I don't know. We get some weird explanation of, of his, his his nickname that they give him and never mention again. Some more of that fine little detail in the Bible. So there's more famine, and then just like his father, our friend Isaac travels to this land of Gerar and says what's up to Abimelech, the same exacerbated king that Abraham multiple times kind of just wheeled and dealed and stole from. And just like his father, too, God tells Isaac to stay there for a little bit and don't go to Egypt because that's important, I guess. 
and gives Isaac the promise that, hey, just like Abraham, you're going to get a bunch of kids. You're going to, you know, you know, you're going to be rich. You're going to be in charge of land. You know, live the kind of lifestyle described in um, that song Rockstar by, uh, okay, what's that band? Oh, how am I forgetting this band name? Nickelback? Nickelback, Rockstar. yeah. By Pink? No, no. Oh, Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh you guys don't have the rights to that song. I'm sorry for singing so many notes of it. <laughs> I don't think they're listening to that to this. <laughs> they're not worried about it. I'm sure they're upset about it if they are. Um, well, have them contact our legal department. Me? <laughs> I don't want to talk to them. Uh, just Isaac, legal. just like his dad, uh, pulls the old sister-wife trick, and when this king goes to him and says, hey, who's this woman with you? He is like, she's my sister, not my wife. Uh, gives this, uh, And then basically what's happening is Abimel is wandering around and sees him, quote-unquote, the two of them fondling each other, um, which is clearly a, a nicer way of, like, they were fucking. Maybe, um, or maybe they were just doing over-the-shirt stuff. <laughs> maybe they were just doing over-the-shirt. Yeah. Anyways, that's, that's, not how, that's not how it seemed in, my, in what I read. <laughs> I, oh. That seemed like they, it, were what, like, they were, like, they were, like, joking around like they were like flirty in public that was the ah, image that our I our translation says yeah fondling. over the shirt stuff yeah that's okay now they were goosing um, each other <laughs> they were they were yeah they were necking they were snogging <laughs> yeah they were doing all, all of those those fun things so uh abimelech then is just kind of like hey man what the fuck like this shit again and then isaac gives uh the same justification that his uh, father gives, which is, uh, I didn't know you guys had, like, standards or morals. Um, and then uh, Abimelech is kind of hip to his schemes and uh, kind of kicks him out of there as he gets he gets rich for a little bit. But as soon as he gets too rich, he's kind of like, hey, you got to go. He plays whack-a-mole with some moles with the people of Gerar. Um, and I guess the people of Gerar are kind of fucking with him, but he's also— Oh, with some wells, you said. Yeah, with some wells. I thought like, you said with some moles. I also no, heard moles. I thought he said holes, but like oles. They're playing with some oles. Do you guys not remember whack-a-mole? I, I remember whack-a-mole. I do. Yeah. I thought you were saying whack-a-mole with some moles. That's like what I just heard. Playing regular no, that's whack-a-mole with a mole. As it's traditionally played. Right. He's trying to do, he like finds all these wells and then people are like, oh, fuck you, you cocky little water boy. A little I sneak think... preview of some uh, resource disputes that'll run through oh, the yeah. history of I... this region. Continue. Yeah, okay, uh, Isaac gets visited by God. Nice. It's always cool when that happens. Um, and he makes an altar, and then right at that altar, this king, Abimelech, comes out to uh, basically squash the beef between him and uh, this family, including Abraham and Isaac, because they go back way back. And they have a big feast, um, and I think part of the implied of that is like, hey, can you please also just never come back here? Like, we're good. They, they, they like signed a treaty and everything like last yeah. time during the last shenanigans with Abraham they sort of make a hate handshake deal that he's Abimelech is like just promise me what you say is what you mean and don't try and pull all this fast stuff on me but obviously that was not enough so now they got not enough he only made it with Abraham not his son yeah, um true so then Isaac makes a well that will eventually become a, a city so we start actually nation building and I think now we're sort of transitioning back into the the Bible kind of explaining why some things are the way they are and in a contemporary sense um, which they which they do and, and, and don't do in, in in kind of a, a not consistent way um, 
our friend Esau, the Bigfoot, marries two Hittite women, and they are, quote-unquote, a source of bitterness to Isaac and Rebecca, which I tried to read generously, but nah, it's just racism. Um, they're upset that they're Hittite. Isaac is old and dying. We speed right through Isaac, by the way, guys. Like, Abraham does all this cool shit. We're already at Isaac dying. So he gets Esau, the older one, and asks him to bring him to Flavortown one last time before he dies. <laughs> um, and he gives him his blessing. <laughs> Yeah, these are gin notes. They're good. <laughs> so uh, Rebecca hears this, and then she and the son Jacob, who's not a Bigfoot, kind of pull the schemiest of schemes and trick Isaac into giving Jacob the blessing by making dinner before Esau can come back, and then he just puts goat skins on himself to sort of simulate being a big Bigfoot guy. And because the Yeah, he puts Isaac pukes is- on his face like in Jackass. Yeah. And then because Isaac is blind, basically, and and is on his deathbed, he can't quite tell the difference. He almost gets hip to it, but Uh. it doesn't work. Jacob gets blessed, gets to be the master of nations, and essentially own his brother. Esau comes back after actually doing the work. Uh, but everything's been given to, um, to Jacob. Isaac promises at least that maybe one day he won't have to serve his brother. It's a raw deal. It's not good. And I guess by all of this extension, too, God has been tricked by this little scheme. Uh, Rebecca tells Jacob to get the fuck out of Dodge because uh, people are pissed, especially his big Bigfoot brother. And then says uh, some racist shit about how uh, no son of hers will marry a, uh, a Hittite woman. So he has to go back to their family again and keep the bloodline pure. This is all good stuff. Um Isaac calls uh, Jacob and actually this time very explicitly says, go marry one of your cousins because it's better than mixing cultures. Esau finally realizes that his parents were not down with uh, the Hittite women for whatever reason. So he goes to his great uncle Ishmael and marries one of his own cousins. So. So that's and that's how they decided to end this little segment. Yep. Yep, there's your there's your Ayani Hayashi special take on on what happens in this chapter. It's kind of a doozy. It's a wild one. Yeah. Does anyone have any uh, disputes or like uh, little notes they would have made to the? I mean, I found the line that where you said fondling. My translation says uh, he saw and behold, Isaac was jesting with Rebecca, his wife. Oh, oh, interesting. Whoa. Different. That's pretty those different. Those are two very different things. So I took it as they were like walking out on the street and it was one of those like, no, you are. No, you are. No, you are. <laughs> oh, being and cute. They were, like, the chemistry being cute was together. palpable. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what I think it was, is that he saw them and he's like, oh, I hope they're not siblings. <laughs> um, I think that's I think that's what it is. Um, but, uh, I mean, in, again, in my translation here, uh, he, it says the king looked out the window and saw them. Yeah. Mine, ours says that he saw them, looked out the window too. So, so I don't think that he looks out his window and sees in through their win. Well, not window, tent, (laughs) tent flap, like perfect line of sight. I think it's more likely they were just like walking down the street and like, you know, a little, little pinch. The irony is that Abimela is easily tricked, but has hawk vision. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I th- no. I think yours is probably probably what they're what they're getting at. I more. mean, full disclosure, this is the Chabad translation. Oh, oh, 
that's that's good to know. I mean, because it's mostly the same, except for little things like that. Well, that's there, why. And, and there's uh, there's commentary that I I read a, quite a bit of, and they yes, really they good. go, they bend over backwards to forgive Jacob in this story. Of course they do. And also they do a lot of math to figure oh, out yeah. what everybody's age is at every point, and I'm pretty grossed out by the conclusions that they came to. Because oh, they've got a good, they've got an age difference of thirty seven years between Isaac and Rebecca. Oh yeah, a lot of people mm-hmm. think that when they married, she was three years old. That That's makes like a... no sense because she's going to the well and pouring from the pitchers. When when they meet, when she well, meets that's the, how like, he justified it. He was like, "Look, she's so mature; she can like work a well." Right. <laughs> and what three year old can pick up a giant, you know, clay vase? Yeah, but yeah, it's a lot of just like it makes more sense if she was make thirteen. This makes sense kind at of, that yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, I mean that. I mean because there's I'm, ten years between the introduction of her, according to Chabad, ten years between the introduction of her and when they start trying to have a family. When um, they start jesting. Yeah, and so if if it was th- from thirteen to twenty three, that's that's not objectionable. But if it's from three to well, thirteen, that's yeah. highly. Well, she's objectionable. a woman in the eyes of the highly objectionable. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just so. I love the idea of. Or I don't love the idea, but like a like like a Leonardo DiCaprio style guy. But like, like once they're the age of bat mitzvah, he's like, I'm just. I'm not really. You're, you're referencing the, uh, the yeah, fact yeah. that Leonardo DiCaprio has never dated somebody over the age of 25. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm referencing that. Yeah, that's anyway horrible. Yeah, <laughs> Once again, real... I would like to say objectionable. <laughs> Can Obje- I just <laughs> slight aside? My favorite point in uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's career is when he was in Gangs in New York because his Irish accent in that movie is so bad that I'm pretty sure they had to add a line into it explaining why his Irish accent was so horrible. And that's just stuck with me since the first time I watched it because he's like speaking in this really horrible, horrible Irish accent. And then he's talking to someone and is like, I got sent away to an orphanage where I lost my accent, basically. That's hilarious. (laughs) And then he had to say that they were like, you're bad. We're going to make you say the sentence about how bad you are. Yeah, it's it's it, it has stuck with me since then. I was just like, oh, boy, that's quick riding on the spot. Right off the bat, they like play kind of play the classics. They're like. Rebecca was barren, but then she wasn't. So they're like, okay, like, is that a thing? And then they say that there's like, there, there's a war in her tummy, basically. Right off the bat, they're like, there were nations in there. Yeah, and they're I really, think. yeah, I like what you said, play the classics. I felt like much of this chapter was uh, reinforcing the kind of forms or constructions that we've seen so far. So we've got, you know, brother versus brother, slave versus owner. You've well, we've got, also got the sister wife. Uh, the sister wife, move, the, you know, the oldest trick in the book. Can I add? I, I read a lot of Rashi's commentary, and so I'm just going to sprinkle it in when it's appropriate. Please but do. he's uh, he said for the like the pregnancy thing, he said he says, what did I write? Rashi tells us what some others rabbis, some other rabbis said. All the commotion in the womb was because whenever she passed a Torah, Jacob would convulse in an effort to be birthed. But when they passed a pagan temple, Esau would convulse in an effort effort to be birthed. Oh my God! They don't have a fucking Torah yet. Well, listen, man. They, <laughs> yeah, that's a good this point. is why I get so upset every they, time he the, brings in the the continuity commentary. of the Torah is is baffling. Like they refer to things that haven't happened yet constantly. Okay, but I'm also pretty sure Rashi is one of those people who thinks Rebecca was three. So probably, yeah, I think he does. Because I think that was a Rashi thing that I also read. love the idea mm. that just like 
I don't know. It gets into that whole creepy, almost like race science that's sort of running through a lot of this. Well, it's just like the creepy, hairy animal man. Like he for sure doesn't believe in God just because that's how oh, he was totally. born. And like he's a different species, you know? Yeah. Well, another one of my notes on this chapter, or it was just, this might be the most anti-Semitic thing I've ever read. <laughs> like <laughs> Potentially. Okay. A, a character who, mind you, goes on to be named Israel does all this conniving okay. and scheming. Uh, but <laughs> honestly, if that's anything, that's, that's the only argument in favor of the truthfulness of this passage is like, you wouldn't make up something that makes you look this bad. Mm-hmm. So like it's got to oh. be true. It's got to be true because I don't. I mean, I don't actually believe that. But uh, I'm just saying like they left in like really unflattering stuff. It gives it a nice touch of realism. You know, flawed characters. There's so few characters in a lot of the stories. You know, they're, yeah. they're usually such uh, two dimensional placeholders. And then I for, wonder like, what the lesson j- they're trying to teach us is though, or like, you know, it's just sort of like. Not that I'm like definitely not a believer in this thing that like you know, every every part of my morals need to be like acted out in every story that I read because I just don't think that's how the world is. You know, no. just like bad people do things and succeed all the time, and it's no problem. Um, but I just sort of wonder, for you know, for nation, religion, people building purposes, you know, why make the, you know, one of the founders look so bad? I mean, it doesn't seem that illustrative. But they also make Esau look pretty bad, though. It's kind of like a. Well, he looks. I, don't know, I mean, kind of like the, maybe dumb, but not like. It's like the Chad Esau versus the Virgin Jacob, a little bit. <sighs> Strongly, and, yeah. And both sides have have issues in that dichotomy. Yeah. I really, I was so confused when I was writing the notes of like, how are they trying to frame it? Like, is because there's not enough information. So, so the the Chabad commentary makes it out that Esau is a bad dude. Um, oh. There's a line that says Isaac had Esau's game in his mouth. One interpretation is Esau went out and did hunting, and Isaac liked that Esau had fresh meat coming into the house. But the Chabad interpretation is that that was somehow a metaphor for Esau manipulating Isaac. That phrase of like has his game in his mouth is like has him wrapped oh, around his like- finger. Mm. So they tried to make that oh. out as like a negative thing. I thought you were talking about game like hunted animals. I am. I well, am. I think it's a oh, it's, it's like a, a purposeful it's a, it's a double entendre. Well, I don't know that it's a double entendre because the would translation be can't be the no. same. They're arguing that that phrase implies that Esau is that that Isaac is like tricked by Esau's like charm or something. Yeah, there's oh. another Rashi quote that I'm gonna pull up that said something similar. Esau was a deceiver. He would ask his father. How should salt and straw be tithed, although he knew full well that these are not subject to the law of tithe? So he was quite a little trickster. So he would, like, ask questions to pretend to care? I don't know. Listen, I'm just I'm just telling you what the man said. I do like how in these it's like a Marvel movie or something. You know, the real big fans will defend it no matter what. But, like, there's this all this extra stuff you have to know. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, it's like... The, the movie with Thanos or whatever didn't make sense, but if you read, you know, the Avengers issue number 500, then you actually would have seen that this reference for one second that everyone missed was actually really important, and then it, then it, then you would have really liked it. It's actually really good. Right. There become factions within the fandom. Yeah, well, not even just factions, but just that, like, it doesn't kind of, like, stand stand alone in a way. Like, you have to but have all the But I don't think it baggage. was supposed to, you know? Mm. I mean, I this was an oral tradition— Right. Mm -hmm. Where you had multiple different oral traditions 
that kind of ultimately culminated in like two separate versions of the Torah. There was like the kingdom of Ephraim and the kingdom of Judea that had their priests really had like differing additions. And so when the Assyrians came through uh, and like just mopped the floor with them, then those those priests came together to make this addition. But this was just like what they could agree on. But I feel like the rest of the oral traditions probably still continued. So I think that's what all that midrash is. Those are mm. all the interesting stories oh. anyway. Yeah. Is I think that is all meant to be taken together. Like this is the canon that we all agree on. These are the deaths and births that we all agree on. But then anything else, how you want to characterize them, that's up to the individual rabbi. That's how it always felt yeah. to me. Because all the stuff that growing up as a kid, all the interesting stories, I all th I thought they were all in the Torah. And then when I finally right. read parts of the Torah, I was like, well, no, there's like you said, like Isaac's life is so short. Like there's there's barely anything in it for some characters. Right. Which is yeah. a shame that we've largely transitioned into it being at least not a full oral tradition, if not fully a written tradition, because you miss like yeah. the richness there. Um, I certainly feel that way reading it now where I'm just like this, like this is just so kind of barren of anything just like doesn't. Yeah, it just seems incomplete. Yeah. All the heartwarming moments and like character driven moments are all midrash. They're all like mm -hmm. separate, you know, rabbinic tales. All the times, you know, a nice young man and a nice, extremely young woman got together. <laughs> you know, it's just you miss out on it's heartwarming. Yeah. A story of true love. Yeah, I mean, it's like any movie in Hollywood, right? It gets punched up by a bunch of Jews. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, but that's, but no, but it is, it is, I think it's more like late night. It's like there's a writer's room and they're uh -huh. all just kind of like fighting for their, their bit to make it in. Because, you know, sometimes you're like watching a bit and you're like, nobody could have liked that joke. But like somebody <laughs> clearly fought for that joke to make it into the show that night. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's yeah. sometimes like yeah. a detail in the Torah and you're like, well, what does this detail give me? Somebody, yeah. somebody in that well, priest's like writer's it's, room. It's like, here's how big the boat project. was. It's just like, you know. It really does beg the question, though, that because because we are just dealing with the text as, you know, as it's translated. Mm -hmm. And like, that's that's sort of what we have to go off to. Like, I guess, how would you like, how would you characterize either of these characters right now? Honestly, it seems pretty obvious that okay, Jacob's kind of a more of a, a schemier kind of dude. He honestly takes after his uh, father and grandfather like that for sure. They were not usually muscling Who's their his way through stuff. Again? Abraham. Oh right, sorry. You've you sort of touched on it a little bit, Danny, of like a version of the story being that Esau is like not a particularly sympathetic a character we should be sympathetic to. But like, I guess. What I'm wondering is, like, what do you think, like, the justification? Like, of... if I were punching this up and I wanted to make it, like, a better story? Sure. Or I also just mean that, like, you, you said that they go, hey, this guy's not a good person. But, you know, at least the way that my moral framework w works, like, that doesn't just give you carte blanche to be shitty to that so, person. So, I mean, I think that um, there's I think there's a, a way to read the text in such a way that you're saying... Esau didn't really want to be in charge of stuff. He just wanted to go hunt and like be his like outdoorsy himbo Bigfoot self, as you put it. Um, and that he didn't want to be the spiritual leader of the Jewish people. Uh, Cause there's a line where that's, that's vague and didn't make a lot of sense where he's like, I would die from the birthright. Why do I want it? Um, something like that. 
Oh, that might be another tr- translation oh, thing. Okay. Because in in the uh, I don't have it up, so I, I have to paraphrase it. Apologies, but in the translation that I was reading, it definitely says he says, "What good is a birthright to me if I'm about to die?" Oh, he says, "I am at the point of death, so what use is my birthright to me?" Oh, that is not that is not what my translation said. Ooh, big Whoa. let me find because that's just like a pretty logical argument, right? <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna like, die. Don't talk to me about wills and trusts. Give me a sandwich. Yeah. Um, some yeah, red. Yeah, he says, give me a bowl of that red stuff to slurp down. <laughs> <laughs> give me uh, some of that red. red stuff. Uh, okay. Behold, I'm going to die. So why do I need this birthright? Okay, that's not that different. But okay. So then, so then, what I was thinking of was like once again Chabad's commentary. There's this. This is not from the Torah. I don't know what this is from. It says, what is the nature of this service? Like what the birthright requires of him. Um, and to which oh. Jacob says, there are many prohibitions and punishments and death penalties involved with it. And to which Esau says, behold, I'm going to die because of it. If so, why should I want it? So oh. so this Chabad version yeah. is that is saying that like, if you are the one to be in charge, you'll have to do the like extremely important religious tasks of like, overseeing the temple and if you're not a good dude then you'll get struck down in that mm. task so heavy lies the crown yeah so as if he's saying to esau like this will kill you like you'll have to be a good dude you can't do that you buff idiot wow. this is gonna kill you if if i'm gonna die because of it why should i want it so that's the translation change that chabad is choosing to make because that's because of because they said that's because of it not if i'm going to die but if i'm going to die because of it because of the birthright what do danny can i ask you what do they say um rebecca asks when she's having like you know pains in her womb during the pregnancy because she has kind of an interesting like little existential moment right there at the beginning where she says um the children are struggling in her womb and she says uh if so why do i exist and she asks god that and that's a pretty direct, and that's, it literally says, why do I exist? It's kind of a direct, like, questioning her role and, you know, in a way, kind of women's roles more okay, broadly. Okay, but in the Hebrew, it says, im ken lama ze anuchi, and that just means, if yes, why this I am. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't speak Hebrew very well, so I don't know if that's quite right, but that's like a word. Speak more that's Hebrew a, than we do. That's, that's, one, <laughs> yeah. that's one word for one word translation. So I might be losing something in the grammar, obviously. I well, it's like, yes. Yeah, I, took, I took a but. year of Hebrew in college. I don't really speak it. But they're translating it with brackets to put in words that they say aren't there. So it says, if, in brackets, it be, close brackets, so, why am I, open brackets, like, close bracket this so if it be so why am i like this hmm. oh interesting um why am i like what like in so in, much pain. In pain why yeah so it said and the, yeah. the children struggled within her and she said if it be so why am i like this and it is kind of like the, the the promise the destiny the Christ, um, maybe yeah uh, well, on, and then also you said you said you had a problem with the translation thing about how uh, the, the the midrash about the about Jacob leaning towards the Torah and Esau wanting to be birthed when they were near idols. Is that what you said? Yeah. A peg, yeah. So this I, is I, I did. OK, this, this I mean, is I did slightly too. different. It says when they were passing the academy of 
of the Jews, not the Torah. The Jew Academy? When they were passing like, <laughs> no, like the yeshiva or whatever. And then the, the school for it's like Mr. X's, you know, school for talented. But it still raises the question, Jews. what are they studying if the Torah isn't is hap it's happening? Uh, like it'd be like if in Harry Potter they were like, and then they passed the place, the room where everyone goes to read well, Harry Potter. The, the, like the Torah didn't necessarily happen in chronological order, you know. Like they could have been working on Leviticus before Genesis was done. Oh yeah. Like what they could Ooh, be studying is just the rules oh. of how to live. The primordial Jewish ooze. Yeah, that could have been the beginning yeah. of two thousand years of arguing over like what starting a fire means. Oh, okay. Like they, huh. they could have already had the basic concepts of like Jewish philosophy could have been started before there was like a Torah. You always say your wife is your sister. You always <laughs> trick people. <laughs> you always pit your sons against each other. But like how many Jews even were there at this time? I mean, aren't they, they only like the third generation? But there aren't that many of them. How did they even have always schools? Secret, there's always secret population growth going on in the background. Like at yeah. the beginning, you know, when they're creating humans, they're sort of like, here were the first three humans and here were for five generations, all the people they married. And you're like, yeah, yeah who that's a good point. Yeah. I also did think it was nice to um, just I, I noticed this that when Rebecca for this very brief line, as women tend to not talk a lot in, in this early part of the text, that she actually gets to talk to God. And it's not like Sarah also talks to God, but it's always when Abraham is present. Or in some way, like, mediating. So it was kind of nice to see, like, oh, at least she gets to, like, you know, send in her suggestions. Okay, but if I could interject with Chabad again, uh -oh. they, say, <laughs> they say that didn't happen. <laughs> um, they, they have a note on that line. Because you're talking about the very next line, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. So they've got a note on that, that the phrase, and the Lord said to her, doesn't mean that. It means through a messenger. Oh, my um, God. That's and incredible. they name the messenger and say that that messenger was told through divine inspiration and then told it to her. Amazing. So they had to make sure that a guy, big boss. That a guy said it to her. Yeah. Well, that just well, because I also thought, too, that this is like usually uh, if I had to characterize the character of God in the text so far, uh, it's not usually like a reasonable character. But I think beyond all of the like one nation will like rule over the other one and whatever. The initial line of why does this hurt so much, basically, it's a pretty reasonable response to be like, oh, sorry, I didn't tell you. I, I actually gave you twins. Twins! You know, you're having, it's, it, there's a reason. I apologize. I probably should have mentioned it, but yes, there's two of them in there. Like, that's why. Um, and I was like, you know, we don't see a lot of God in this and we don't see, you know, there's a lot of pretty vengeful stuff happening in at least what we've read so far in the text. But it was nice to see, like, there was almost a, a human level. Hey, there's a there's an explanation behind this. Not just like, hey, do what I say, I'll, it'll make sense. And then later it just never makes sense. I feel like we've kind of gone back and forth on the question of why do unexpected things happen if, if God has this big plan for all these people involved? And I thought there was an interesting moment of that here where, you know, Rebecca uh, says, okay, you know, why am I in so much pain? And then God says, well, you know, two nations are in your womb. Um, one people shall be mightier than the other. So he knows that they're already going to have this unequal relationship. And then the next thing that happens is rather than this just being this divine fact that is foisted upon them, that inequality happens because Jacob tricks Esau into, or not tricks, but, you know, just gets him to give up his birthright. He so does, it's sort of well, like, you know, it's like why, 
I don't know. It, it's interesting that like it can't just be that God decides, okay, this is going to be the mightier brother and this one's not. Like there also then is just this moment of human like him, you know, f- well, furthering that even more. It has this almost narrative element to it, like where God, it's like a sitcom. Like God says something's going to be a certain way, but then the people will just get in the way. It's like mm-hmm. how it's or like sort of, yeah, prophecy sort of in a way too. Yeah. It's like, that's how they make it narrative anyway what i I think that the the torah has a lot of free will in it and i i um i'm thinking you know there's that story of moses where uh he's supposed to uh ask a rock to give them water uh god's like just go to that rock and say rock give us water and moses is like uh that's not punk rock enough so he hits the rock (laughs) with his staff and then it's it gives them water that isn't what god planned Right. God said, just go ask it. But Moses was allowed to have some some free will and it didn't backfire on him, really. It it worked. They, they still got the water. So I don't know. I think there's these moments. But isn't that what isn't that what makes it so that he can't get into the land of Israel? Isn't that the moment where God is like, fuck you? No, I thought he already did something <laughs> else before that. I think it might have been on his list of priors for not getting in. No, he did something. Yeah. He did something else. I don't think that that's too that's too mercurial even for I they would though. They, oh, that's so funny you use that word because that's one of our leading traits that we've we've sort of pinpointed to uh, to our I mean it is a god. word derived from a god, right? What word? Mercurial. mercurial? Oh yeah. Mercury. Well, or it might be derived from the the metal they named after the god. Cuz mercury oh, is a is a okay. why do you think they named the metal after the god, you know? In particular, mercury it's very easy to it's very reactive and it's very easy to change states. Uh, uh, yeah, but mercury um, had little wings on his feet. That's also very easy to change where you what state that's you're true. in. true. Like the wind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> think about that, Ioni. Talking about uh, metal. <laughs> yeah, how how dare I use my 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 do. limited high school chemistry knowledge? But I would, I guess, on on the free will thing, there's almost another level to it beyond free will because it's like Jacob tricks his dad into giving him the blessing, but then once he's given the blessing, he's like, "It's done." I, I, if I wanted to undo it, I would have to like, like look up like I don't know the fucking password. Like I would have to like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, he, like he's no, like, you can't. You the know, deed you can't is done. It's like this. It's, it's it's it seems almost bureaucratic. He's like, it. I have given him my blessing. So unless you want to file for a twenty-two C, which those never get approved. So I mean, I I mean, this is maybe jumping ahead a little bit. I don't think Isaac was tricked. He no? he says you've got the voice of Jacob, but the body of Esau. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of touch. Your mind's saying Jacob, yeah. but your uh, Yeah, um, and I feel like that's him being like, "Well, I've got plausible deniability. Like I can tell that you're, I ah. know who you are, but you you feel right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna let that slide." Well, but also, didn't he like? It was. It's like noted that that uh, Esau like Isaac likes Esau better, and, and Rebecca likes Jacob better because he's like a soft little mama's boy and Esau is like a man of the earth. But then I guess the argument would be that he changed his mind and that's why he so, they do the whole charade and get the plausible deniability I so that he can give Jacob the blessing. There's, there's one detail in particular there because it happens before this, which is the, uh, some of the like nice flavors I know I've been bringing up, but they distinctly mention that Esau marries two Hittite women and that causes bitterness to Isaac and Rebecca, and I think if 
I think he, which when I put that all together, I think Danny's really onto something because if you put that together with like, look, he already married outside of the like the racial yeah. line and like it's all fucked up and whatever. So he might be doing the like, oh, I couldn't tell. It felt like him Can, because in reality, he's like, I don't have faith in this person to like carry on a pure bloodline, which is. Can we do another well, translation note. check? Sure. sure. Uh, line 27. Oh, I'm looking at it like I have Great. lines. No. Uh, yo, sorry. Spiritual <laughs> hunter, a man of the outdoors. Yeah, this is, yeah. So Much was like a, all of us, in a way. Was a man who understood, this, this is what I have, the youths grew up, and Esau was a man who understood hunting, a man of the field, whereas Jacob was an innocent man dwelling in tents. Wow. They, say, they only say a mild man who stayed in camp. So that feels like a very again this Huge. this tra- this Chabad translation really feels like it wants to the simp translation. T- well, no it wants offense. to take every op- it wants to take every opportunity to insulate Jacob from having done something wrong. Of course. Yeah. Because what's yeah? I mean, I'm not 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 gonna like try to turn that whole, make that the whole conversation. But what does it, Jacob's name go on to be? Yeah, exactly. That's fair. Yeah, he's um. That's a little sneak peek for next time. He's a, we'll call him a pivotal character in the story. Josh, last week, I was telling Ioni this, last week you said, I was talking about Rashi, and you said that these rabbis are just like the original pundits. To add to that, I'm, I want to say that like idol worship was the flag burning of its time. You know what I mean? Like they just, any bad thing, they're like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's idol worship. Like Antifa is worshiping idols and it's going to kill your grandpa. I don't know. Like one example of that is Rashi's explanation for why Jacob, for why uh, why Isaac was blind. Oh yes, yeah. Is, he's like, oh, it's because the idol worshiping women were burning incense, so the smoke was like all up in his face, so he couldn't see. So you know, like, wait, that blinded him for life, or just in that specific moment? In that life. specific moment, no. Oh, is that that it? Because well, oh, like, what are they just idol worshiping women just like in his tent? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, th- that's I mean, that my commentary had a line about that. I don't know where it was. That yeah, that there was an idol worshiper secretly living amongst him, and that <laughs> oh my that God. his. Oh wait, no, wow. but the, no. If you really like take it down, but I think what they're saying is they're implying it's uh, Esau's wives. Oh yeah, who else would it be? Yeah. Who else is around? Yeah, There's right. nobody else True. there. Yeah. Just like uh, you know, Democrats mind control putting fluoride in the water. It's you know. Really makes you think. Oh man! So wait. Oh, so that's that's a pretty. That gets worse. Other <laughs> other interpretations have said that Isaac was blinded when his son when his dad almost killed him, but then didn't. So there's that too. Mm. But that's not that's as exciting with the idol worship and the yeah. That's right. way more exciting. Have you ever had incense about. so powerful it blinded you? <laughs> have you ever been to idols? like um uh like like a like a Russian Orthodox church? Which if you haven't been, they burn like hardcore incense like, oh yeah and those huge like swinging vessels oh the sen- yeah, sensors like, yeah so it's good, like it always like i'm i'm japanese so i'm familiar with like buddhist incense which can also be really strong but usually they're like these dried sticks of stuff maybe you put like five or six down or whatever i didn't know that version of it was you take whole bushes of like rosemary and frankincense <laughs> and you stuff it into this thing and put a coal in it it just pours and pours out of that thing yeah, so I don't know. Maybe if you're doing that in a tiny little tent, like yeah, that's oof. true. If you're just really holding your intense. eyeballs like right above it. I also love the idea of Jacob being like, "All right, I need to go trick my dad, mom. Do you have like a fog machine or something?" She <laughs> 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 gets set up real quick. Play like some music <laughs> as I enter. 
Um, should we move to the uh, to the wife the wife guy boogaloo part two? Yeah, I mean we already covered it a bit, but yeah, we could if we have anything else to say because uh, yeah. there's kind of there's a li- it's like a sandwich. It's like the bread is Jacob and Esau stuff, and then the middle is like them kind of explaining some of Isaac's like non some shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah, Not I guess that I don't know that much more to add to it other than I just I have so many questions about why this keeps popping up. And I wish I knew more about <laughs> the ancient world to understand why this would be such a meme throughout. Do you have any? Do you have any, Danny? Do you have any like Chabad uh, on the wife sister thing? What no, the thing I, is? I, I don't understand silence? this. I don't <laughs> understand this. I mean, other than he's afraid that. Th- I mean, the the this is maybe we can do a translation check here again because because this one they they had to you know, do the brackets again to insert words that weren't there because it says my wife, lest the men of the place kill me because of Rebecca for she is of comely appearance. Right. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the MO to the same, to the same person, by the way, who then was like, promise me, you will not trick me again. I just, I know that God will kill me if I do the wrong thing. He's like, I won't, but my son might. What? <laughs> Yeah, fingers crossed. I'll have a kid. Also, just w- what an adjective. You don't hear no. comely that often. Comely nope, itself sure not don't. a comely word. An irony, in a way. Fair. <laughs> you know, like, what comely means should be a word like oh. uh, like hyacinth or something. You know, or it's just a nice... Yeah, you know, it's. Just, I like think it's a, a pretty sounding word to describe a pretty sounding thing. What the... Wait, pretty, I'm sorry. What does looking. comely mean? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, so it is comely. Yeah. Well, so well, saying, I'm I mean, saying the uh, word you know, comely is not pretty... Like Josh the, thinks it's gro- a gross yeah. word. Well, you know, if we part. use basic grammar, L-Y, right, that makes it an adverb. So it's in a manner that is come. Quickly, <laughs> in a manner that is quick. Comely, in Boom. a manner that is come. That is In come. a manner that is yeah, fucking w- awesome. Another thing I would have to say is, like, Ayana, you were kind of saying earlier that, like, the impl- when, when Isaac has this feast with Abimelech, the implication is... Abimelech being like, don't come back here. But I would also say that any truce that Isaac or or Abraham or any of these people are making with someone has the implication of like, oh, yeah, also God is on my side. So, like, don't be stupid and not make a truce with me because he's yeah, really powerful. Yeah, it's like nuclear weapons and diplomacy. Yeah, that's why I think that's why I think they do it is is the it's like, hey, OK, like I'm not going to wrong you and drive you out of my land because you have divine nukes at your disposal. And like I've already dealt with your father, who's already had divine nukes at your disposal. But can we squash the beef? And then so that nothing else happens, you kind of just go away forever. Right. But even in that situation, there's still not that much accountability because Isaac could just be like, I changed my mind. And OK, but, but I, God, I actually I so wouldn't know if you guys you. came to any kind of conclusion about this before, because the, the part of this story that doesn't make sense to me about the sister wife trick is that Abimelech is like afraid that some that like that somebody might accidentally sleep with her if she's the sister but <laughs> that doesn't make sense like so a, a stranger comes into town with well, a sister it, and everyone's just like well sense. the king will sleep with her now but then as soon as he finds out she's married he's like oh i guess i can't sleep with her now i think the reason he mentions that line of like hey like someone could have slept with her and like on accident and like brought ruin and whatever i think that's only because when abraham 
pulled the trick. Not Isaac, because it's Isaac doing it, but when Abraham did it, I guess a whole bunch of the people in that land got cursed. Um, ah, even before. So the first time it was different. The first time. Yeah. The first time it was only different in the sense that a bunch of women in this land got their wombs closed because Abraham told this king that his wife with his sister. So they were like, oh, okay, well then, you know, potentially maybe okay. she can fuck the king. We don't know yet. And they knew it was, and they knew God was behind the sort of maladies that befell them. Like that, that's part of the reason why Abimelech is so like, please, let's just like have a normal, because he knows. Well, because Abimelech actually gets to talk to God. Because God tells him in a, cu- a couple episodes ago, tells him, like, hey, this is why these bad things are happening. Um, and that's part of the reason I think this king is so, Abimelech is so, like, Jesus Christ, like, why didn't you just tell me the yeah. truth? Because he's and already I think that's why he's so quick when he dad. sees them um, either jesting or fondling. That he's so quick to be like, I know what's happening here. Because he it's <laughs> happened to him before. Yeah. But yeah. It's happened to him before, and like this, this character Abraham, Isaac's father, has kind of also pulled other shenanigans okay. with him. So, like, I think when he sees, when he sees this, that's part of his like aha moment. It's part of him being just like, I fucking knew it. Like, well, right. so okay, They're but I had another again. thought about like a lens through which to view these choices, which is that like the Torah is like a franchise. Sure. You guys were talking about Marvel movies earlier. Um, People mm-hmm. who consume mm-hmm. media generally don't want it to be that good. Like if we look at like the total amount of media in the world, it's like mostly like dumb stuff, like for by volume, right? People like easy to consume. I mean, sure. you know, I, I, I saw Hobbs and Shaw, you know, like people don't want good <laughs> movies. They want bad movies. And so yeah. the rabbis were the yeah. entertainers and they knew that people like their sitcom tropes. They like their rom-coms to all be exactly the same story. So when they were like, all right, we're returning to the franchise. Again. Like, like oh, how much new guy in town, what's he going to do? Yeah, but like how much of the new what Star trick? Wars trilogy was just them repeating beats, oh, you know, yeah. repeating Star beats Wars from it. the previous yeah. one. Okay, so they're like, yeah. hey, I know this isn't this is mm-hmm. this is son of Abraham now. And it's a new story, but we're going to do all the same bits because that's what you're used to. And we want to, like, have these callbacks so that somebody sitting in the in the the back of the tabernacle can be like, oh, did you see that? That was a reference to were you here two weeks ago? That's a reference Mm -hmm. to. Oh, my God. We just so we watched the first we basically just read the first reboot. Well, and what's depressing Ah, about that is like, okay. It's not like it exists as a story, but it's also totally not just a story. Like it's a basis for a lot of political ideas and societal ideas. And so I think by repeating these sort of archetypes, which in my view, at least are not so positive about like people being inherently divided and the weak and the strong and, you know, the barren, helpless woman. Like, I think those get sort of transferred onto bigger ideas about like people just thinking like, you know, the world is the way it is and you're born a certain way and if we try to look for a lesson here, um, like a through line between Abraham's sister wife trick and Isaac's sister wife trick and Jacob's couple of tricks, uh, on Esau, like is the lesson here. If you're not big and strong and powerful, be clever. I think that's what it is. And I think it's trying it, it, it simultaneously like makes Jacob the underdog. Cause he's just, this like scrawny little mama's boy, but and then when he 
when he like connives and screws his brother over and then his brother is violent and wants to kill him then he's like ooh i'm just don't hurt me i'm just a little boy like it's 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 both things please don't hurt me i'm a little boy right though can, can uh huh do that voice again i'm just i'm just widow jacob um, but I, I wanted to, you, you know, we're saying that he's like tricking and, and, and getting rewarded for trickery, but he kind of didn't get rewarded. My wife was pointing this out that Jacob like gets everything right, but then he has to run away. Does he actually get to enjoy all the things that he that's got? That's true, I guess. Like he had to run away. If, if the point, if the point is that he's oh, getting the birthright, yeah, he... which we're, we're defining as all the land cattle, not land, I guess, land, cattle, whatever Plans. beasts of burden beasts of grazing rights at the whatever, very least. you know various sundry items that they own and people that they own do they have slaves yeah okay yeah. cool yep. um, because yeah because they oh, won yeah. by pulling the sister wife trick okay in egypt so um <laughs> so i don't know i mean didn't esau get to ha- keep all that stuff cuz jacob ran away well the only thing i i, I would say to that maybe doesn't support that is Rebecca tells Jacob, look, you just pulled the heist. Like you don't hang out in Detroit. Like you leave, you know what I mean? And then, but then Isaac goes up to him and says, Hey, like your brother's really pissed. He is Bigfoot. He can rip you from limb to limb and he might. So take this time that he's very upset and go find yourself a wife with the family. Yeah. He specifically says like, go away until Esau forgets, which they're really putting the nail in the coffin of how dumb they think this person is that he's going to be mad about it until he like sees some berries. (laughs) Until he sees a really fat rabbit walk by. Yeah. So I, I I don't know. I think, I think in, I I don't know because we just, I haven't read, read, you know, ahead. So I don't know, but as it stands right now, it seems like Jacob is going to leave go find a wife, come back, and then the peaceful transfer of power I, will happen. I did read a little bit ahead, you know and so I mean? no spoiler alert or anything, but... Well, he goes on to... I know, No, you can tell, because yeah, I know he goes on to, like, be his... has a bunch of well, sons, they, including they Joseph, do, and then it's They do meet up story. again. He and Esau do meet up again, and they, they have a moment that is arguably reconciliation or not, depending on the rabbinic interpretation. So I don't want to. I don't want to spoil that for you guys. Oh, cool. That'll be a, they touch a future. heels all over again. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jacob shaves Esau's <laughs> yeah. back as a form of penance. This is just a dumb little note I wrote down, but like apparently Jacob, like he, he's named that because uh, he was touching the heel, like it means heel or something. Yeah. But then he also gets named Israel, which is funny because Israel is if there was ever a heel, you know. <laughs> sure. Like in the like in the pro wrestling sense. <laughs> yes. You know. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I the don't heel know is like the guy who comes out at the beginning wrestling. of the wrestling match and is like, "Fuck you! I'm fuck everybody!" and everyone boos them. And it's like, oh, okay. The, the, the they come out and determine themselves to be the villain. They're okay. the villain you love to hate. That's what a, a heel is. Oh, okay, gotcha. Are you a big wrestling guy? No, I just know about that kind uh, of stuff. And it works because that's that is what Israel Look, means. They know wrestles, it's not real. It's just theater, but we well, you can enjoy shit. it. As a <laughs> Israel person. means uh, Israel means to hit God with a <laughs> fold up chair. <laughs> suplexing god <laughs> you know back in the day they i was uh, fuck you i was gonna say something about the suplex <laughs> wait i don't get it that was just r- riff uh, the suplex okay that's where they pick this i do know about wrestling that's where they pick the dude up by the waist and they just fall backwards oh yeah cr- crushing the man 
um, or woman. Or, and if you were to do something like that in real life and not wrestling, you would absolutely kill someone, by the way. Cool. Yeah. Well, did we leave anything untouched? Did any, we leave any nooks and crannies? I mean, anything I can tell you table? a little bit, a little bit more of uh, Chabad's attempt to defend Jacob in this. Please do, and also I'm gonna start just reading Chabad regularly because we've gotten a lot of good stuff that I, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I knew there was gonna no, be I great mean, stuff I, like I this mean, out there. I mean, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make a, I'm not taking a stance here on whether Chabad is bad or good. No, you're just reading the words that are on their website. Yeah, I just this is I didn't want to use a Christian uh, translation. So I had That's to make good. sure yeah. that it wasn't. And this this mm-hmm. was the first one I found. And I said, why not? Um, but OK, so they had a thing. Um, and now actually now I can't remember if this was from Chabad or something else I read. But they tried to argue that Jacob is the firstborn son, even though he came out oh, second. Yes. I saw this. Because if you were to throw two stones in a pipe, like in a <laughs> tube, the first one you throw in would be deeper in the tube than the second one. And then when they come out of the tube, the second one would come out first and the first one would come out last. Was the translation you were reading by Johnny Cochran? <laughs> if it fits, Jesus. you must give him the birthright. Yeah. 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 I, I read a similar thing and it's, yeah. I never thought we'd be getting to yeah. rock tube logic on this. Episode. Yeah. I just love someone's explanation being like, well, Say I had a couple of rocks and I wanted to throw them. Tossed a rock into a tube. <laughs> but that also implies that also implies that each child was a load that went in yeah. in successive <laughs> loads. No, I was gonna say that's the that's what he's, they're talking about chambering bullets basically. Yeah, of like you put one in deeper and yeah you put that one in first, but the first one yeah, can shoot out. That's clearly not how it's a creative that works. Uh, understanding no. of the uh, reproductive process. So you had two loaves of bread that you're shooting into the oven. <laughs> yeah, right. And the second loaf of bread. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to condemn whatever rabbi came up with that convoluted. I love that, actually. I think that's great. Well, I think I what I enjoy most about the rabbinic commentary is also what drives me insane the most about it is that it's just like, well, there's not a lot of information, so I can't just say whatever I want. Yeah, but I, I, I've always liked that about Judaism is that there's there is a really like nice sense that no one's right that like Mm -hmm. you know how like how the Talmud you get the like argument that won but then you also get to see all the arguments that lost like have you ever flipped through a Talmud I know my mother encouraged me to a lot but like some of them are arranged so that you have the winning the winning argument in the middle of the page and then around the edges of the pages or like in the margins, you get the losing arguments, like the yeah. dissenting opinions. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I agree. I do like that. that and I like that yeah. they don't hide that, though. You know, like I, I feel like, you know, early Christianity had those arguments behind closed doors at like the Council of Nicaea or whatever. And, mm. and then somebody would leave the room and be like, we now declare this is Christianity. And you don't get to hear that, like. Nicodemus of uh, yeah. you know Troy said that I don't know if that makes any sense, but whatever person from place felt thing. Whereas the Torah is always like you know, and Rabbi Shlomul said like to hell with them, and like they wrote that down. And they're like, well, he said it, and we got to like put that in the margins, right. right? Yeah, that's kind of the basis for the podcast a little bit. Is like, well, there's a whole grand tradition of reading this and then just kind of saying some shit. So 
Oh yeah, that's... no. Th- like you guys might think you're you you know you're talking about being smited, but like there's nothing more pious than the activity you guys have chosen to undertake right We're now. We're banging on the like, table. You guys, yeah. you think sure. you're mocking? You, you think you're mocking the the Torah right now? But this is exactly no. what they wanted. They got you because <laughs> no, they totally they, did. They got oh, you. Do, do, you guys do, do, are do, do, reading do. the Torah. You know, you're reading it in depth. You're struggling with it. You're cross-referencing. You're looking up historical interpretations. You guys accidentally fell right into the trap you little yeshiva boys wow damn it i i don't know I mean, I, 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 the only I'm, thing i would take issue with is uh the accidental i mean i think <laughs> i i got it okay yeah no I, <laughs> fair enough that fair is enough. essentially what we're doing i think the prob the only difference between what we're doing is we're trying to do it in such a way that the actual study of it isn't presumed to be pious or necessarily like a good thing and that's it, just to open it up so like just starting from the not starting rather from the premise of like this is a good thing we're doing and this is whatever but starting from the premise just of like here are the words yeah you know yeah of because yeah because i'm not out here to defend this book and i'm not out here to completely condemn it i knew i was going to condemn parts of it but at the end of the day like you not only do you like take the good and the bad like this is something this is what for me one of the things that was super important is this book is everywhere you can see aspects of it in literature in movies all of these you know it would be hard to honestly catalog how many different ways this book makes a difference in like regular people even in america's lives and a lot of people don't know the words they're just like in it they know words associated to it yeah you know what i mean and even as like growing up in the tradition we learn phrases and words associated with it but we're not often given the opportunity to or or some people encourage it some people don't but we're not given the opportunity to actually read what the words are and try to struggle with it for ourselves that's essentially what having a bar bot mitzvah is but the way it's structured too is like you do that for that one thing and then you're in a room with a rabbi who kind of pokes you in a direction because you're honestly not old enough to to form these kinds of complex thoughts yet in most cases um and then that's boom 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 see uh, like and then what you remember from it after that particularly in the reform uh, tradition is like oh yeah you know this thing is like this other good thing that happened and that's why the book is good and yeah so i think that would be the only distinction i would make i think if you're a very serious rabbi and like really deep down into it you you're probably struggling on it in a similar way of like hey there's a lot in here that i'm not stoked about Oh, no, I was just to say to draw a little conclusion that our podcast is the the Torah study equivalent of banging on the tables and screaming the beer cot a little bit. Beautiful. Like, yeah, there might be some issue. Like, we like the enthusiasm. We love the effort. Might be a little some notes in terms of approach. Fair, fair. Uh, and I'm happy to encourage say? that. I'm happy to encourage that. I'm happy to be well, a thank part you. of it. Happy yeah, to no, it's been it's been awesome with talking with you. <laughs> I just there's one little bit that I, I want to get uh, a little bit your opinion on, sure, because you are also a a Jewish person of mixed descent. Yes, yes, I um, I consider myself a Jew of color. That's a jock. A, yeah, a label I take. I, yeah, a jock. I, nice. I finally did it, mom. <laughs> I finally made it. I'm finally a jock. <laughs> um, which which I am too, and I think um, one one of one of the main reasons why I distanced. Uh, I ended up distancing a lot from the Jewish community and actually also from like the camp community where we all met mm-hmm. was the um, the friction between 
you know, honestly, what these words say and what some of these teachings are and like how they then apply to me because there are certain criteria that are just embedded in my existence that kind of don't that don't make me necessarily of the same uh rank or stock in uh, accordance to the words so so can you can you can you condense that a little so you're you're asking me like did i feel that same friction yeah and in particular in, in did you feel the same friction but also in particular with this chapter like we do get a lot about how like esau's big crime is that he's mixing cultures yeah no i i i definitely have a hard time with the with how easy the text can be interpreted to support xenophobia like maybe the text doesn't maybe it doesn't maybe we're supposed to think that maybe maybe we were supposed to think that it was wrong of isaac and rebecca to be racist towards esau's uh wives but there's nothing in the text to tell us that so yeah. it's like if they if that was supposed to be a lesson, because there's a I don't know if this is in the Torah, or if this is in the Midrash, but there's like one moment of God punishing a racist in the Torah. And it's just one moment. And I have no idea if it's actually in the text. But, you know, uh, Miriam gets leprosy because she calls Moses's wife the N word. Wow. What? Whoa. I don't I don't know if that's Midrash or if that's in the Torah. I don't know. But that's a story that I was told is that that she called Moses' wife uh, the equivalent of the N-word for the people that she was. Um, she Whoa. was Yeah, I don't know what the... I don't remember what the exact word was. Um, and then for that, God gave her leprosy. Um, and so if that's something God's willing to do, then that means he didn't do that here. Right, right, if the capacity um, is yeah. there. So I do feel like... Uh, yeah, I do feel like there's a a, 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 a troublingly large amount of support in the text for all kinds of uh, i think pretty obviously bad opinions on on race you know there's the fact that there are rules about how to treat a slave is a pretty good endorsement of slavery like yes you know and so it was really easy for the um pro-slavery people of the 1800s to be like the bible agrees with me like, as long as I only, you know, slap my slaves on uh, uh, not on the Sabbath, I'm fine. I don't know. I mean, what I liked about growing up in a reformed temple is I actually felt like it was I thought it was good that we didn't engage with the text directly too much because you're mm. saying that you, you kind of feel like you missed out on an opportunity to to read the text in its actual words. But I feel like that because we didn't do that, what I ended up really taking away from Sunday school, like before bar mitzvah, like regular Sunday school, Sunday school is I feel like I came away with the wise men of Helm stories or like Shalom yep. Aleichem yeah. stories. Um, and I came away with, you know, historical, more of a sense of my, my ancestors aren't really Isaac and, and, and Abraham, these, these barely existing characters. My ancestors are Tevya. You know, and yeah. so I I think it's fine that we're like, look, we're just not going to read all these stories that are full of like all the stories of we go into a place and it's full of people and then we kill those people and then we take their land. There's a bunch of those stories where it's just like and then we conquered the um, Acadians and then we conquered like we don't focus on that in Reform Judaism 
for good reason. Those aren't the stories that those aren't the lessons I want us to learn. The lessons I want us to learn are like lessons about community, you know, and that's why I, again, wise men of helm stories like those not necessarily specifically those but all all of that like yiddish literature about being a community in hardship like that that stuck with me way more than i mean my my bar mitzvah portion was uh the rules about what priests should wear in the temple uh it was the priestly vestments like what color everything should be that didn't connect i didn't connect with that in the same way that I, you know, connected with like, um, you know, Jewish literature. Um, so I, but that, that got way off your, your question. Cause you were asking about, uh, the more, the sort of racialized aspect of this or. No, yeah, I, think I mean, that, that was all great information, but like, yeah, uh, yeah, no, that, that, all of that was pretty enlightening. I would definitely agree with you that in terms of teaching kids, especially, which is something you do too. I would stay, for the most part, pretty far away from the text. I, but I think it also then goes goes to a little bit like what's behind the podcast of like what, like if since there is kind of the idea of kind of like keep it or cut it, like how much of this are we going to like if being Jewish and the Jewish tradition is essentially all about this stuff that has nothing or not nothing, but doesn't have much to do with the actual text and words that are supposedly the foundation of it, then then how much of the foundation do we need? You I, know, because the foundation of it is what has be essentially in my life pushed me away from it. Yeah, yeah, that's really fair. Um, if yeah. we're talking specifically about keep it or cut it for this portion, like... I think we'd get into that. Um, yeah. You know, I think uh, I'd love to cut the anti-Hittitism. Um, yeah, what we did never they know. do? Well, I don't know. It's just that they're, you know, and but maybe that's something that's lost from the oral tradition because maybe back then people knew, mm-hmm. oh, Hittites, they, you know, they wipe their butts with their yeah, right hand like and the eat Florida with their left. Story, they're disgusting. Like, you'd already know what to expect and you don't even need to know. The Hittites were constantly like blowing huge jewel clouds <laughs> and that's why Isaac couldn't that's see. That's actually, that's how Isaac went blind. Um, uh, but I would keep the, I would keep all the treachery on Jacob's part because I don't want a text that just portrays, um, all of the main characters as flawless and, and heroic. And I even, I mean, just, I don't want them to be perfect people. The Chabad translation said innocent and your translation said mild. Um, I don't want a fully, a totally innocent main character is boring. Like, I want him to do some wrong things and then have to flee and then learn a lesson and then have to struggle with something so that when he gets his, you know, divine reward, I want him to have earned it. And so if running away from your big brother, uh, you know, is what it took for him to, like, earn that, then, you know, as a as a younger brother, I can kind of uh, as a younger brother, I can kind of relate, um, you know, then there's something relatable. And if you cut all of this then there's nothing relatable and you've just got like a two-dimensional you know drawing yeah yeah i would say that's right i mean if i could go next and piggyback off of that yeah i'd say i mean my first reaction was just like keep the whole thing this is like so far it's like the best storytelling we've seen i want to say it's like captivating and interesting and like there are twists and turns it's like a good it's like a good story and I'm not just saying that cause I'm Jewish, you know, like it's like, I liked it. It's I like, would, it's got intrigue. 
if I was like an exec for some network holding a meeting and they pitched this, like there's going to be another <laughs> meeting for sure. Like this is, yeah, I, yeah, I love this Yeah, line. I'm with you guys. I liked it because many parts of the Torah so far have felt completely arbitrary or not fleshed out. So there's just never a why that makes any sense. It's just this happened, then this happened, and you know you would have expected consequences from this certain thing, but just nothing ever seems to matter about that. And this just felt like a real world where people move and affect each other and feel things about those effects. And yeah, as a result, like you were saying, Danny, like I think it's much more instructional and stays with you much more. Because then you're forced to wonder like where you sit in all this, like just hearing how, you know, God like, you know, raised the mountains and created birds and stuff. It's like, I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't affect my life other than that being an explanation. Whereas this is like, you know, is it okay to trick someone or like, you know, what's the line between defending yourself and looking out for your interests in this aggressive way? And like, that's real, that's way more important morally than here's this thing that happened. Yeah, I would actually say keep it, I think, storytelling wise. So right now we're like kind of right in the middle of like God's kind of doing some stuff, but not doing some stuff. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still in the realm of like human behavior with like a little divine salt added right on top of it. And I think, yeah, I think this one poses more questions and I think frames it in a more questioning way than like Abraham's first chapter where it is just a list of like shitty things he does, but we're also supposed to think that they're good. Right. It's like kind of curious. Yeah. It's more just like, and then I don't know, this really horrible kind of like nobody's good thing happened where this, you know, maybe a little bit smarter brother tricked his older brother out of where one rock that was thrown into a pipe slightly earlier. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I would, I would, I would. Yeah, I, we, we, you could keep it. You could keep the it. Rare it's good story. It. It's good. There's, there, there might be lessons in there. Yeah, yeah. it's an, a unanimous keep it. I think that was, that was nice. Yeah. Should um, we do a prayer? Oh yeah, Danny. So we, we normally improvise a prayer or, or blessing at the end of it, uh, to whatever you want. Um, just to, you know, it can be fun. It can be not fun. It can be like, like I'm trying to think of the examples. Um, you addressed our fellow Americans last time you did it, John. I think I prayed to a, a meteor that's going to wipe out our civilization. And I think, Josh, you just kind of... Josh was probably oh, pretty I genuine know, I think it. I was yeah. just nervous and talking. I think I said something about people who are, like, sleeping in tents don't sleep on a rock or something. I don't know. It's true, though. I, I, don't, I wouldn't wish that on yeah. uh, Which most Which is nice. So, yeah, can you, can, you, can you bless the airwaves with your bless... Bless, bless, bless. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna lay lay a blessing upon you. Okay. And, okay I'm gonna bless this Should podcast. I brace myself? I'd like to bless. I'd like everyone at home. Uh, you're not getting blessed. <laughs> I'm I'm just blessing. I'm wow. just blessing Fuck the yeah. three the America's three gentlemen before me. Okay. <laughs> I want to say that uh, you know may may your connection always be crisp. Uh, may okay. your recordings always be free of background noise. Uh, may your, may your, may your edits be smooth. May your, may your listenership grow like unto the sands of the beaches <laughs> of the worlds and every star in the sky. May, may, uh, may you rise in the rankings on the podcast charts, uh, if that's a thing. Um, and, and may you, may you only ever get five star ratings. Uh, from now until time immemorial, uh, and uh, amen. 
Amen. Beautiful. Hey, fucking men. Thank you so much for coming on and for giving us that. Um, we're I'm gonna. A nervous. A lot of that blessing was uh, was just me doing my job right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, may you not <laughs> fuck this up, Ioni. Hey, um, the, the but... blessing is always in your hands. You know, it's always for you to make it come true. So I think we're gonna go out on uh, a song of Danny's. Uh, I think we're gonna do profiteering we have some time to decide so maybe we'll go back and edit that but also yeah danny is a great musician um you should check him out go to danny saucedo at dot bandcamp.com yeah is that or, right? or check me out on spotify but beware that there's another danny saucedo on spotify he is my doppelganger uh we we have the same birthday i'm a year older no shit yeah, yeah we have the same birthday i'm a year older uh we are both of mixed uh, Eastern European and Latino heritage. Uh, and we are both beautiful blonde Swedish men. That's just him. Um, but he's a pop singer uh, in Sweden. Uh, he's like the halfway between Ryan Seacrest and Justin Timberlake of Sweden. Uh, and and so don't listen to him on Spotify. Please listen to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, fuck that guy. I'm the, I'm the right. other Danny Salcedo, uh, but I'm not like a verified celebrity, so it doesn't have my face. Um, but please find me on Spotify. You'll find him. So I can It'll get be... those sweet, sweet fractions of a cent every oh, time. Every I time know the listen. game. Ioni, is that gin or a big Topo Chico? <laughs> it's a big Topo Chico. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Oh, I do like the idea that you and maybe Danny have just been thinking that I've been sucking down shit. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of gin talk, right? <laughs> yeah, but Ioni, he's not like just not like chugging world. Magic cannot hurt you, neither can the Bible. I promise you won't have to worry about the end of the world. Oh, of the world.